The 100% Wild Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the nation's number one GPS hunting app. Download today in the Google Play and App Store. Hey, hunting junkies. Welcome back to another episode of the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Tim Chelsvick sitting across from the venerable Matt Drury. Hmm. Hello. Venerable is a good thing, by the way. I guess. <laughs> Not to say that I am illiterate <laughs> no no you know words but that sometimes, one <laughs> it's not used every day sounds like venomous <laughs> <laughs> sometimes right <laughs> what's up what's up uh trail cameras and ticks yeah yeah i hear you i was um I, it's been a really tough year for me to get get like back into hunting mode mm-hmm. and it's just a mix of what we got going on here at the office and then what what you know, at home and, and home life with a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And we're living the same life yeah, pretty much. We are. We are. So mm-hmm. I feel like you get out more than I do. You make it more of a priority yeah, on the weekends and, and, to get, get out. Yeah. I, I try to find, like, I have a very understanding wife, so which, mm. which is, which is <laughs> super helpful. Not to say that you don't, but sure. she, but I, I do try to squeeze things in like on the way to the grocery store or just trying to work things in where to try to find efficiencies. Yeah. See, I live in a place where <clears throat> I'm nowhere near my phone farm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's a trip. So like, for instance, you know, we're filming here. It's a Thursday. I, tomorrow I'm going to try to make it to where if I can get everything done, I need to get done for the work week mm-hmm. today, tomorrow going to try to head to the lease and maybe the new, you know, the river farm. It's finally not underwater. So <laughs> see <laughs> the just how thing. destroyed it, it got. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but trying to get back into the mode. Yeah. And, and, and it does put you there. I, I was out in the woods a couple days ago, putting trail cameras up because one of my properties is between here at the studio and home. So I was able to stop it's off nice. and drop off a couple of cameras. It was so nice to be in the woods doing yeah. something deer hunting related. I found some shant- uh, some chanterelles, which are an edible fungus. And so I was able to do some harvesting cool. while I was there, kicked up a few does. So saw some deer yeah. and I fed a ton of ticks. In fact, I'm probably <laughs> currently feeding some ticks. <laughs> That's not good. No, it's not. I like that was two days ago. And this morning I found another two. That's the really tiny, not good. The tiny, tiny seed C-ticks. ticks. The ones you yeah. can just barely see. Yeah. But they got to eat too. <laughs> okay. So I'm doing my part. Yeah. Well, give me the heebie-jeebies. Well, I'll make sure I spray down with permethrin tomorrow. Yeah. it's And I didn't. So that's, yeah. that's part and parcel why. Yeah. I shot my bow for the first time in a long time yesterday. And I was telling you earlier, my, my sights, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it feels good to be shooting again, but my sights got jacked up somehow. My sight mm-hmm. got jacked up somehow. Much. And so, and I, you know, we've, my bow is the one that we use for all the photo shoots for all prop. the, it's a prop for like all the bow madness interviews mm-hmm. and who knows what happened to it. You know, it was uncased for in the studio for, you know, three months basically. So it got, it got jacked up. I was shooting low, right? Yeah. You know, so it, the one good thing that, that IQ site, it is, I got a micro adjust. It is yep. really easy to adjust it back, but I, I do have to still make a few fine tweaks. So getting, trying to get back dialed in. And, and I mentioned on an Instagram story last night, trying to get back into some good habits of, of shooting all the time. And the one good part about it is that my son, we got like a little, you know, plastic light up bow, like a suction cup Uh deal, you know, and, and he's been really into shooting it lately. Cool. And I think it stems from him watching 13, the episode that he was on, Mm -hmm. like it was really cute to watch him, watch himself (laughs) on TV. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it actually, 
is excited him about archery, which is the point of this whole thing, right? You know, uh-huh. to, to introduce young people into the sport, new people into the sport. And so, but I caught him saying stuff like he'd shoot and he'd hit the target and be like, yeah, baby. Awesome. You know, like <laughs> he's stuff picking like, up the catchphrase. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, that's not good. <laughs> do you think he has a concept of what you do and what the family does? No, no. I, I think I, you know, from day one, he has seen me on TV or on no YouTube, or I don't think it even registers. And now seeing himself on TV, that was <laughs> a, a different big, ball game. That was a big deal to him. <laughs> like just watching him, we, we stayed up late one night to, you know, cause it comes on nine central. And so we stayed up late one night to watch it. And his, his face, like, it was like, he was nervous about That's seeing awesome. us. It was, it so was really cool. cute. Yeah. It was funny. So, and, and my daughter watched it and she got a kick out of it. And of course my life wife loved seeing him on on with me. So anyways, it's cool. So he shot with me last night and it took a lot longer to shoot. (laughs) And you kind of have to assume you're not going to get anything done. Yeah. yeah, Literally it was until he kind of got sick of shooting. I, you know, it was just, we were just kind of hanging out. (laughs) And Mm -hmm, then once he, once he moved along and went and played, you know, did something else, then I could have dial, dial things back in and, and shoot a few more rounds, but it was, it was cool. And those are the kind of things that get, gets me excited about the season heading to the farm. Hopefully tomorrow will get me excited mm-hmm. about the season. Cause really, you know, it's August, man, it's, it's here. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where I should have been in this mode a month ago, but it's just, tough. it's kind of everybody like it yeah. sneaks up, like you anticipate it, you anticipate it, but then it's like, Oh boy, I, I got some stuff to get done before. September yeah. 15th. Yeah. Like a lot So I started building some arrows a couple weeks back. I got a dozen new arrows that I built and I, I I love that process. It's a lot of fun. It kind of feels like you're an archery version of a Jedi master building your own, your own lightsaber, building your own arrows is, is a really cool practice. Uh, And then my buddy Daryl does a, a podcast called the archers post. And they were talking about building big game arrows and started talking about some concepts around arrows that I had just never even heard before. So listening to that podcast and then building my own arrows got me thinking we should probably do that for our listeners. And, yeah, and- it's something I know zero about. I, I go over to Mike's uh, bait and, and tackle archery or archery shop over here. I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of the full name of it, but he's they, they're so good to me over there. They, they've helped me out tremendously over the last you know three, four years. I think even now you've gone over there a few times and mm-hmm. it's, it's a local shop just real close to our studio. So I, I don't know anything about, you know, doing it myself. And, and, um, it's something that it's very interesting to me because really it's the key to your success, right? It's, it's the, the, the weakest link in the chain. Well, it's the connection from you to that. Animal. Yeah, exactly. That way, the last thing you touch and the first thing that touches him. Right. So it's a critical piece of equipment and it's extremely gratifying to do it yourself. So yeah. we're like, well, let's have Mr. Aerotech himself, Blake Shelby from Black Eagle Arrows and Whitetail Properties, join us and Absolutely. demystify yeah, it. Yeah, and Blake, we go way back. He was he was with PSE for 14, 15 years. He brought us on board of PSE. Before that, he was with, uh, I believe, Moss Yoke and Remington. Mark and Terry and Blake know each other from way back when. Good friends of ours. And we appreciate, uh, appreciate you coming on board with us here, Blake. Hey, no problem. This is something I absolutely love to talk about. And you're right, Matt. There's only one thing that closes the distance between you and the animal you're shooting, and that's that arrow. And 
too often, you know, we hear a lot of people talk about, everybody wants to talk about the broadheads. Well, I like this head or I don't like this head or this head performed, it didn't. And they realize that that's only one part of the setup. One of the most important features in accuracy and penetration is your arrow. And you really need to make good decisions when it comes to arrows because there's so many variables that that affects. So, uh, and, and this is like pretty much any topic in life, you can geek out as hard as you want and go s- super deep and it, it becomes everything, it consumes you. <laughs> Let's maybe start from the, from the beginning for someone that, that has been buying their arrows at a big box store. They come pre-fletched, they come with an insert already installed. And so they're not even ch- changing the, they're just kind of screwing on a broadhead and hunting. What do they need to consider when they're thinking about the arrow that they actually need? Oh, man. Well, the first thing I personally don't like pre-fletched arrows because the process that they use, they have to pretty much put straight fletchings on them. And it's a proven fact. You can pick up so much more accuracy by putting an offset and a helical. And you don't have to do both. I like to do both. But there's a there's a fine line there to get the rotation that you need. You know, fletchings stabilize in two ways. They drag stabilize and they spin stabilize. If you have straight fletching, basically standard fletchings, you're pretty much just getting drag stabilization. Mm-hmm. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. But it, you can actually... Uh, something we used to do back in the day is you could put a a piece of yarn on the back of your arrow and stabilize it to a degree Mm. with it just dragging. And that's kind of what you're getting, but you'll increase your accuracy so much more. And there's been a lot of testing on this. A lot of it is up to an inch at 40 yards, a one inch group. You can Mm. cut your, your group size by an inch by adding helical and offset. And I like to add a little bit of each. And and what do you say to people that say, well, then if, if I've got helical and offset, then I'm losing some speed on my arrow and I want the fastest arrow. Well, and now you get you really start getting into the geek out stage <laughs> because you can, you know, and there's some quick spin type veins out there that allow you to get just a tremendous amount of spin. So the spin rate is important. And I like an arrow that's spinning about 200 RPMs. You can get get them up to 400, 500 RPMs. But what you have, what happens then is the arrow starts to drop significantly at range. It's kind of like shooting feathers. They do a great job of drag stabilizing, but they cost you a lot of energy down range. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a blazer vein spins right at 190 feet per second. And that's kind of the ideal. If you get much slower than that, you're not going to get the the stabilization that you want. If you get a lot faster than that, you're going to start losing energy, especially at long range. So go back a step and talk about that, you know, the, the, the different angles of offset and yeah, the offset and helical. Just explain that a little bit for people at home that may be you well, know totally new to this. Yeah, basically an offset is just an angled fletching and a helical wraps. So when you get an arrow like this, and I don't know if that's possible to see, if it was just a straight line coming up the shaft that was not a straight one will run even with the shaft, 
uh, an offset, usually it's about three degrees, runs right along the side of the aeroshaft. A helical actually rolls, and that gives you the most. So, like, when I stay, when I fletch an arrow, I'll usually go about three degrees offset with a helical. Now, can you actually do a helical with, like, a blazer vein? I mean, they seem so small. Yeah, you can. And, okay. and you can actually get a pretty good offset in helical. And I've actually got an example here. And I don't know if you can see this, but if you look straight down at it, it's got an offset to it. And when you look at it, it'll actually spin very well. So not sure if you can see any of that on camera, but a, a blazer does a, a blazer is a really good vein. There's a lot of good veins and, and veins are something that you really need to consider out there. And when you're making those decisions, there's, there's pros and cons of, of a lot of them, you know, size, how durable the vein is, you know, AAE makes some outstanding veins that are extremely durable. They're a little harder. It takes a little more prep work to get it to adhere to the shaft. But like if you set your quiver down, and I know y'all have always had the, y'all done this and it deforms your fletching, mm-hmm. AAEs will go right back to where they were. You can't basically ever cause them to lose their shape where blazers are uh, extremely easy to put on but if you leave them crushed down if they get crushed or something they'll hold that position that was one thing that i was in the archery shop one day i think it was maybe last year and he saw me put my bow away into my case he's like "Ooh, you put your arrows in like that and i was like yeah he's like he's like man he's like no 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 you don't want to mess with those those veins like Mm -hmm. that he goes you know that's the most important part of how your arrow flight's gonna be he's like you need to really have them in their own separate case and i started doing that since then but i never even put any thought into it whatsoever if you lay that even just laying it down flat and i see people do it and i kind of cringe but it changes the angle that you're that one fletching zone so then if especially if only one of them's been you're really creating some odd things going down range so if you have some veins that have a little memory to them like they're crushed or they're deformed a little bit i've heard that you can dip them in hot water and maybe get maybe get their natural shape back is that accurate yeah, you can. You can use a hair dryer. You can you can put them in the shower um, and and get some hot water, and they'll kind of take their, their. A lot of times, they'll take their shape back. But the most important thing is, there's veins out there that will always hold their shape. You're just, it's just going to be a give and take. AE makes some great ones, mm-hmm. but you have to prep the vein a little more to get good adhesion. Now, once you get good adhesion. They're incredible. They're really strong and extremely durable. And, and when you say prep, like that's a step before putting the glue on. That's like a, like a chemical prep. Yeah. If you want me to, I'll just go through kind of what I do to build an arrow sure, and, and let your guys, you know, and here's another thing. There's a lot of fletching jigs on the market. I, I use, I've got a system and to tell you how anal I am about it. These are my vein boxes. And so I keep them by length, by brand. 
different things that I'm going to do, colors, so that I can keep them all extremely handy. I keep them in these little tubs. Blake, I got and, something like that, and and it's for my son and daughter. One's got beads in it, and the other one's got Legos. So uh, yeah, same exactly. thing. But basically, we're basically exactly the same. Pretty much the same man. <laughs> yeah, and and it's funny because I'm really not an organized person until it comes to my hunting and fishing stuff. And then I'm extremely organized. <laughs> I have a hard labeled. time believing that. <laughs> but yeah. And it drives my wife crazy, but these are all fletching jigs and, and you can have bonding style or yeah. Bonding style yeah. jigs and our bits and burger jigs with different clamps, different. There's a million things you can do. I mean, this is a, this is a fletching jig that is probably uh, this. This one runs about four hundred dollars, but you can do even more on it. But one of the best jigs that I tell people to get are just the little Arizona Easy Fletchers. That's These cool. things are super easy to do. You can do three veins at one time, and you can get them in straight. You can get them in a helical offset helical. They are very consistent. Once you learn how to use them, it's probably the fastest way to fletch an arrow and you can buy them for about 40 bucks. And so it's, you don't have to spend a ton of money on jigs. You can, and I have, <laughs> but it's a, there's a lot of things that you can do. The first thing you need to do is really clean your arrows. Good. Especially if you scraped an old vein off of them, you can, Go in, I start out with soap and water, but I also use acetone, and then I'll run it under clear water and, and really get any residue that I have. The main thing is don't touch it with your fingers, and because that's the number one thing that'll make it not stick. And then whatever jig you're using, you'll come in with a little bit of glue, and the type and any type of super glue will work. Most of the arrow companies make really good glues, but the glue that I use is actually made by Loctite. It's a little blue super glue gel, mm -hmm. and I like the applicator. I'll put about three drops along it and and smooth it out with a Q-tip. You don't want too much. And, and they'll adhere fine. If I'm using an AAE style vein, I'll also use a primer pen that they supply. Sure. And, and that, if you use that, it will absolutely stay on forever. So there's a lot of steps and you can get really good videos online about how to go about making them, but you, building arrows, but it's fun. And, and I enjoy doing it. I've fledged a million arrows while watching TV and drives my wife crazy because there's always arrow stuff all, all around my chair in the living room, but it's a great way to kind of get that connection. And, and it's also faster. You know, the, the problem is most people wait and they go to the archery shop two weeks before bow season. Uh, and yeah. they're like, I need to get a six arrows flashed. And well, they've got a lot going on that time and you may not get them by hunt back by hunting season. So it's a great thing to be able to do yourself. It's, it's very gratifying to see a pile of arrows all fletched that you build. Oh, absolutely. And back in the day, we used to use, we used to paint them. We used to use feathers and splice them. I'm telling my age here, <laughs> but um, we, there was a lot that you could do with Kill them. Kill a dodo bird. Now, 
with wraps. You can use wraps. You can do a lot to your arrows to kind of customize them. I'd be, you know, it, it does sound interesting. It sounds fun to do, but I'd be a little concerned your first time doing it that you, you know, jack something that up. you jack something up and you don't really know it until you go out and try to shoot, you know, well, you're obviously you're going to be practicing with them. So you'll know, but man, I just, I feel like, okay, if there's a weak link here, it's now me. <laughs> yeah. You're going to screw some stuff up. It takes a while because one thing that you have to make sure is that the, whatever jig you're using, that that's adjusted so that it fits flush on the arrow and there's mm-hmm. no space. It's not coming off at any point, not even angled. Cause if it's not flat, that air is going to, that vein's going to pop off about the first shot time you try to shoot it. So there are a lot of, you learn a lot of things as you go through the process, but it's a lot of fun too. And you know, you did a good job when you get a complete pass through on a deer and all three fletchings are still there. <laughs> It's like that, that's yeah, your success true. metric. Okay. So, so that's kind of the installation of, of fletchings, but let's say someone, they bought some shafts and they're not the right length. They need to cut them down. Let's talk about getting your arrows to size and insert. I think step back a, a one step before that, how do you choose the right arrow for you? No, you know yeah, I mean, realistically, huge, sure. I, we were on the phone with a, a company yesterday and they were, they were explaining what would be the best arrow. And, and it's just, it's, there's a lot to it, you know, and your draw length, your draw weight, you know, all types of things, what kind of bow you're shooting. So, mm-hmm. uh, what, what you're, you know, what you desire in your arrow performance. So, uh, maybe take us through that, Blake. Man, that is, there's a lot of information that goes into that. And uh, there's probably no better place to do that than at your local pro shop. You know, go to them. They've got a good idea of where to start, but you really need to be able to tell them what you're wanting in an arrow. You know, there's guys and there's an, there's always going to be a debate out there. Do I need a really heavy arrow with a, a lot of momentum or do I want a lighter arrow and concentrate on kinetic energy and in which of those two is the best man you can you know there's a lot of these people that are shooting 800 900 grains because they want a lot of penetration the downside is and and they they run that arrow weight up a lot where a normal hunting setup will be somewhere in the 350 to 450 range on a, on a normal hunting arrow, depending obviously on draw length and, and draw weight and everything. But where you fall in that is really a lot of personal opinion. It's also, what does your setup require? You know, a lot of people want to have that argument. I'm sure that y'all have heard that argument and what they don't realize is that might be right for them but it's not right in every situation. It depends on the game you're hunting. It depends on how much weight you're pulling. It depends on how fast your bow is. There's a lot of things that will that will factor into what are you looking for in an arrow. You know, if I'm if I'm shooting white-tailed deer, which is primarily what we're shooting, you know, I want an arrow that's somewhere around 400 to 430 grains. Hunting weight, and that's a that's about a 29 inch arrow for me. And I like to keep 100 grain point, and the total arrow weighs somewhere around 430 grains. I think it gives you the best combination of speed and kinetic energy with momentum. 
And, and that momentum number is, and this is kind of the the revelation I had listening to that that podcast in terms of the kinetic energy is important, but momentum is really what carries that 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 blade and that shaft through the animal, and and which is which equals penetration. Yes, it is. It's and and that's the debate. Because there's, you could also say the same thing about kinetic energy. How much energy are you producing? How much is going to be deposited into that animal? And the big difference is the formula, and I'm going to get real geeky on you here, but the formula for momentum is mass times velocity. They're both equal in that equation. The formula for kinetic energy is mass times velocity squared. And the speed is doubled. So it puts a lot more weight towards the speed. And what I like to tell people is there's always a point of diminishing returns. The problem with a big, heavy arrow is it makes your shot harder a lot of times. It makes it more critical judging the distance. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a lot more arc to the arrow. So if you're not dead on in your distance, it's going to be a problem. You start having a problem with animals having more time to move, jump the string, things like that. The heavier you get that mass weight, the the more, the slower your setup's going to be. So you kind of have to debate all that and decide for yourself. If I'm shooting white-tailed deers and I've got a 400-grain arrow shooting the speed that bows are shooting now, penetration isn't really a problem. So, I mean, I, you don't have to, it's almost not even a consideration. So you can go with that a lot flatter shooting setup, be able to make longer shots, less critical on judging. And that's what I choose. Now, if I was going to shoot a Cape Buffalo, I'd have a thousand grain setup with a, with a two blade head that, um, you know, really designed for maximum penetration. Mm-hmm. Blake, your personal opinion, uh, smaller diameter shafts versus more standard diameter shafts. Is there a difference in penetration on game? Absolutely. Yeah, there is. I like small diameter shafts. Um, They're more expensive. They're a little more difficult to set up with, but I don't think that you can really argue that they penetrate better. And but here's a misconception about that, too. And, and this is just my personal opinion. There's probably going to be a lot of people tell me that I'm wrong about this, but I don't think it's as drastic on game as it is when you shoot them in a target. Mm. When people shoot those small diameters in a target, they really think, wow, you know, you look at one that's not a small, that's regular diameter, and you look at one that's a small diameter, and you think it's penetrating way, way better. The problem is that it's, on a target that's designed to work on friction. So when you have a bigger head and then a little bitty thin arrow, and you say you're shooting it in a block target or any kind of layered target, it's designed to drag on the side of those arrows. And that's what stops it is the friction. So when you use a small diameter arrow, you're not going to have as much friction. Now on an animal, you don't have near as much friction as you do with a, a target, sure. you're mainly getting resistance from the impact point pushing through that animal. You know, it's soft tissue, it's lubricated with blood, and it's going to penetrate 
I think they would be a lot closer. But do I think that they penetrate a little bit better? Yes. Okay. And, 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 and that's a long answer to give you a very uh, <laughs> no, that's good. That's good information, though. You know, Mark and I switched a few years back. Mark first, and and he was shooting a smaller diameter that you had recommended at the time, and it was we he was you know, getting probably four inches extra penetration. Then I switched the year after that Mm -hmm. and it was a noticeable difference. But, you know, like you said, it's a noticeable difference in in the target, you know, when it came to actually shooting, shooting deer, I, you know, I never really did get pass-throughs. I I very, I can't think of many instances where I got a pass-through, but I got short, Mm -hmm. short draw length and, you know, shooting 62 pounds. And I don't know that I don't really ever shoot even 300 feet per second. It was just, you know, I just didn't have the draw length to get me over the sure. hump. And, um, really I, you know, even switching, I didn't see a difference in the penetration in, in the animal itself. You know, if you hit them in the right spot, you're going to kill them. No, you know, it's no hard to do a comparison test. It, it really is. Game, so. so I don't know. I didn't really notice yeah, a difference a in that regard. See that in the target and they see that difference and they think, wow, this is incredible. And I'll let them because it's, <laughs> whatever gives them confidence. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, I, I, I was seeing four to six inches difference hmm. and oh, yeah. you know, I was like, Holy cow. <laughs> that's yeah, a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. Stark. So the other, the other metric that's a little confusing to folks is we're talking about what arrows right for you is spine. Right. Well, spine really shouldn't be that confusing because there's good charts out there that'll tell you what spine to shoot. And pretty much go with that. Then when you start fine-tuning your bow, and it's always, that's why I always say it's good to go to a a pro shop to figure out that part of it, because they'll have multiple spined arrows for you to shoot. Mm -hmm. And you can test and see. And and I keep quite a collection here. I've got thousands of arrows here to test shoot with, but most people don't. And a a lot of times a a spine change will create a solve a tuning issue you know there's you need to match that bow up and it's but one thing i'll say the charts are a starting point you know we've had different cam systems when at psc when i was a psc one year you would come out with one that liked really liked spined arrows and the next year it would want a little uh, another cam system would want a little heavier spine and you really don't we never could really figure out the rhyme or reason for that, hmm. but it's just what those systems like. So you need to be able to change there. A lot of people shoot over spine arrows, and, and I think that you can get away with a lot less spine than, than most people think. But try them, you know, get a good recommendation and then try them and, and see what's going to shoot best in your bow. And, and I'll just do it with the paper tuning. You know, stand there in front of paper and, and try different shafts. Mm-hmm. You can always take that outside and and bare shaft tune to really fine tune it. But paper will give you a really good indication if you've got the right spine weight. Explain and that the spine in general. What you know? What part of the arrow are you talking about here? And spine is the and there's there's a much more technical definition, but spine is the general stiffness of an arrow and and kind of the the way that it's the way that it's measured is by how much the arrow flexes with, what is it like 2.8 pounds on it or something. Um, And hang a 30 inch arrow, hang a weight in the middle. How much does it flex? Tells them the spine. And when you're looking at that, 
measurement and with most aero companies and and Black Eagle is a, is is one of them. What that spine is actually the deflection that you get off of it. So if you're shooting a 300 spine, that's 0.30 deflection. And so if you get up to a to a 500 arrow, it's a lot more flexible, um, and it's got a lot more flex to it. Which is the counterintuitive part for me when I look when I initially started looking at spine, I thought the higher the number, the stiffer the arrow would be, but it's really the opposite. So and is that the number that they call like you know it's a three fifty or a four hundred or is that that uh, number? Or in, is- in, in, industry wide, it seems like there's more kind of unification on starting to name arrows like this is the model 350 and and that's what the spine is but there's still a few out there that i think give them like a weird model number that doesn't have anything to do with the spine right yeah and and actually at pse we did that it was a we had a, a 100 200 300 400 and it actually went opposite a 100 and 200 were less spined than what the and and that's totally opposite of the industry standard and why, why is that measurement it should be you know a, a 350 it has more flex than a 300 and a 400 has more flex than a 350 so because you're actually measuring the amount of bend in that arrow so you do just kind of have to think through it yeah <laughs> yeah i'm thinking about it <laughs> that's like i'm gonna have my keep Sorry, building my asked. <laughs> but but this is the stuff that 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 people kind of get into and they're like, well, screw it, I'm not I'm not even going to bother because it's just it's it's really it's it's really not once you spend a little time with it and, and going to a shop or listen to a show like this is it's really helpful to kind of demystify it because really it's you can go as deep into this as you want or you can just or you can just kind of do the bare bones and still make good arrows that fly okay and still kill stuff. And and not only that, you'll make arrows that fly better than you can buy in a in a store. And I really want that to come through. When you make your own arrows, you're getting a better setup than what you can buy standard. Then then when you buy a standard fletched arrow, they're pretty much it's straight. It's not put on as well as what you can get it put on. And it's an it's inferior in performance and not not only do you not get the joy of, of making and having a part in it and customize it and all that, but you're getting a better arrow. When you start putting your own helical and, and fletchings on there and you really get one that's going to perform optimally and you can play around with it and try it. And it's like anything else. It is a little intimidating the first time you try to get into it, it but jump in both feet. And it's really not that hard because a lot of these things that we're talking about, when you talk about mass weight, well, you've got to make that decision whether you're making your errors or you're not. If you're talking about, you know, mass weight versus kinetic energy, when you're talking about spine, you're going to have to make that decision regardless. And the main thing is I just got sick of having 20 arrows and that had two fletchings on them because <laughs> one was broken and only had three ready to shoot. So I would always Necessity. just mm-hmm. so, so Blake, um, I, I, before I started building arrows, I was doing, cause I always try to do everything on the cheap. I was looking at ways that I could home brew a, an arrow saw with 
like a Dremel tool or can I just take a wood saw and cut these carbon shafts? And (laughs) for people that know better, they know that that's a big no-no. There's really no getting around access to an actual arrow saw. That's right. Yeah, it's and they're not that expensive. You know, it is an investment. And but I mean, one aerosol. I've had the same aerosol for oh man, 25, 30 years. And it's in the old. Now I, you can. I've done it with the only thing I've used that was halfway effective was a a tube cutter mm. where you screw it on just a little bit and you turn it around, screw it in a little more and turn it around. But that's another aspect to, to making arrows that is, is also crucial to accuracy. And you don't see this done a lot. It's something that even if you get it done in a shop, they probably won't do it for you, but you can do it yourself. And that's squaring them up. When you square up the ends of your arrows, I use a, a tool that is out there made by G5 that's a really good arrow squaring tool. There's a a couple of different ones out there, but that's after you cut the arrow, this is a tool that you can put the arrow in and spin it, and it just makes sure that that surface, that crack right there that runs along is perfectly square. Because when you glue your insert or outsert on top of that, you can get, if it's off just a little bit, it's going to create a wobble and give you some accuracy problems. So you can square up. And if I buy, a, if I get, when I get a factory arrow in and I still will cut both ends of the arrow before I start and square them and make sure that I'm getting a really good, perfect cut on mm. both ends. So a good arrow cut off saw and is, is crucial. Notice that about a lot of factory arrows out of the factory that, you know, if you're putting a nocturnal or a luminoc or some sort of light and knock in it, that if you, I forget which kind it is that needs that connection to the, the arrow, the universal fit one. Yeah. Oh, it, oh, it, I, I, to, I to activate or whatever. Yeah. But that, that's, if they're not going off, that's usually the problem you have. You didn't have like a not totally a flat connection. Mm-hmm. Is that right, Blake? Well, and what happens too is in, especially like with the old Burkata Coyote Luminoc, they have a wire on each side and you, it had to, the electricity had to go around the arrow. And it's funny, good carbon arrows would conduct the electricity, fiberglass arrows would not. And so it kind of told people who were using really good arrows and who were using really cheap arrows <laughs> because the carbon content wasn't high enough in them to make them work properly. And it and that brings up another point. You know, there's a lot of arrows on the market. You can go from just about nothing a shaft to spending two or three hundred dollars for a dozen arrows, even more. And I'd be afraid to shoot those. <laughs> yeah, it's but a good quality arrow is so important, you know. And it's not as much about the straightness. I like a good straight arrow, but to be honest with you, a .003, even a .006, most guys are not good enough shooters to tell the difference. What I want, though, is a consistency. And the better quality arrows have got the resins in them are much more consistent throughout. The amount of carbon in them is so much better. If you find them in a bargain bin for two bucks a shaft, you're not going to get a good quality arrow and you're not going to get that consistency. 
And it's funny because we were talking, um, when you talk about arrows, you really have to consider these days crossbow bolts as well. And Matt, we were talking about that with Mark the other day, Mark and Terry. A lot of people get, the, you know, um, just take whatever comes in the package with them. And man, invest in some really good crossbow bolts as well, because, and you can build them just like this, because it's the key to getting good, consistent arrow flight. If you don't, you're, I mean, you can take your group from six to eight inches down to busting knocks on them. And it, the whole difference is the quality of that arrow. So spend a little extra money, get a good quality arrow and absolutely crucial. You don't have to go over the top to that two, $300 a dozen arrow, but spend 120, 140 bucks on a dozen arrows. It's the connection between you and your game. And to get that consistency, you absolutely need it. Uh, there's also a safety factor, and, and I've been guilty of keeping arrows way too long, shooting them way too much, dinging them up a little bit. And um, and if you have a failure on an arrow, sometimes that can cause some extreme damage to your own, to yourself. Um, not to mention you miss out on you know whatever you're shooting. Absolutely a pet peeve of mine. I hate going on Facebook and social media and you see an arrow group. Look, I've got five arrows in this circle. No, that's not impressive. <laughs> Put five arrows in five different dots because I never shoot at the same dot. You know, always have multiple dots because, you know, y'all all know Bobby Vargas um, mm -hmm. from PSE. He's been picking, having carbon surgically removed for his hand for about 10 years now oh. because you get one bad spot, one nick in an arrow and it explodes. Well, what happens? Your hands right here, you shoot it, that arrow breaks and it's going through your hand. And, and that's really the better case scenario. It can actually be a lot more harmful, but flex test your arrows, bend them, Make sure that there's no damage. If you ever hear two of them hit together, make sure that they're and they'll take it. If they don't take it, you don't want to be shooting it. Mm -hmm. So really do the flex testing. Make sure there's no damage. Even damaged knocks can cause a problem. They a, a broken knock can cause your bow to dry fire and pieces go everywhere. So there's a, a huge safety risk when it comes to arrows and the number one thing is check your equipment and make sure don't try to stack all your arrows in there and, and make a cool social media picture. Shoot different dots on the target. It keeps the arrows from hitting together. Now, on a 3D range, sometimes you have to stack them in there, and that's when you do the flex testing. Mm -hmm. But be very careful. I've seen so many instances of people hurting themselves with bad arrows. That's probably the best tip of the day. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are going to go home and start flexing their arrows. Please do. Cause you never think it'll happen until it finally happens yeah. to you. And then you feel stupid because you didn't. Well, you good. feel something, you feel some carbon in your hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that happened to a good friend of mine. He was, he took a break from bow hunting for five years after it happened because it screwed him up mentally. He was just terrified to shoot it. Cause he, he was, he had the folks in the ER literally picking over 200, strands of carbon fiber out of, out of his hand. And, um, 
it's 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 not a good not, not a good scenario no. by any stretch. And it keeps coming out for years. It it comes out underneath Bobby's fingernails and oh. everything else. And, and I know a lot of guys. Another good it's like tip, a superpower. <laughs> yeah, another, like an X Men. <laughs> if you have a kid that's growing, a lot of times people will lengthen out their bows and not check their arrow length, and then all of a oh, sudden geez, you get into yeah. a situation where they've gotten longer and it comes off the back of the air, uh, the arrow rest because they hadn't changed the, the kid's arrow. So when you're dealing with the teenage boy, especially, and they're growing mm-hmm. and getting longer all the time, make sure you're changing that arrow to go along with it. Yeah. Wow. What That's... are we missing here? Then we've covered from tip to, <laughs> to the end. <laughs> yeah, we Anything? Have. Knox? How about Knox? Yeah. Any words of wisdom? Yeah. There, you know, I'll, whatever you like, you know, uh, Illuminoc is a illuminated knock. I should say there's a lot of great brands out there, but um, they are outstanding tool, especially with today's fast bows. They let you hit where you're see where you're hitting and they look beautiful on video. Mm-hmm. But you do have to realize that that changes your arrow a little bit. Practice with the the lighted knocks that you're going to be using. And then also realize it has a little bit of effect and not a lot, but on your front of center. And, you know, front of center is probably the only thing we've not talked about. And I don't really want to get into it because that's a whole nother debate. It's a a deep rabbit hole. um, But it it is adding more real weight to your to your arrow setup, but mainly just make sure that you practice with those lighted knocks and p- pick a good quality knock. And because, and another thing back to the safety tip, change your knocks out. You know, people think about an arrow getting old. Well, really, the knock is the first thing to go. I'll change my knocks on a regular basis. You know, if I'm shooting a lot during the summertime, I'll change them, you know, once a month. Not only do they clip on the string differently, which is going to give you different tensions coming off the string, but they get little dings and little cracks in them just from where, even if you're not hitting them together, it's a hard plastic. So, and you don't want that knock blowing up and then your whole bow goes to pieces. My partial dry fire this past spring, getting ready for turkey season, I found out the culprit. It was a partially cracked knock. Cause I'd went to, went to put it on the, the bow to shoot and it just fell off because you're a and, tight ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's like, I need to, I need to retire this one. Knocks are expensive. Those lighted knocks can be expensive. So I, mm-hmm. I understand why people try to hold on to them for a long time. But like I, what I do is, and, and this probably is not, now that you're saying this, I probably need to go and replace them for this season, but I'll, I'll use a set. I'll buy two sets, use a set that I shoot with to practice. Mm, sure. And then my arrows that are in my quiver just stay there for the hunting season. I got that set. And so once the lights end up dying out, you know, sometimes say you forget or whatever to turn off and mm-hmm. so you're shooting in the daylight, you just didn't think about it or, you know, you can still just keep shooting them because yeah, the weight's what you need more than exactly. anything. So that's what I do. I almost, I just got two sets, mm-hmm. the practice set and the, the set that's good to go. Yeah. yeah. 
You know, the other thing you'd like to do is I I like to roll out the arrow on a table, like the one that I try to see Mm. which one kind of rolls the best to see that's the like number one arrow in my quiver. And I always knock that arrow. I don't know if other people do that, like, but that I always got an arrow that's like my number one and I got a number two and I got a doe arrow. Do you label them? No, I don't. But I just know where I place them at in the quiver. Mm, What's what? And, And I use different broadheads for like for if I'm going to whack a doe, I'll, I'll use a, you know, am I, instead of my chisel tip two, three, it might just be a two O or something mm-hmm. from rage. So, yeah. you know, or a hypodermic or whatever it might be. I've taken to labeling my arrows just so, as I'm shooting them. So I can kind of see, cause sometimes they'll want to fly a little different. And if I have a flyer, I, I can kind of put that aside because yeah, they're, they're not all built the same. Sure. Yeah, and most good target, almost all target archers do that. I start out, I'll put one through 12 on mine, and then I'll, or, and then I'll mark which, keep up with which ones I'm shooting the most bullseyes with, you know, the most perfect shots with. And as it goes up, I'll become, I'll get to have a favorite arrow, you know. The of a, of a dozen, you know, they're all probably shooting exactly the same. The favorite arrow know, gets to sleep inside the house. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it gives me a little more confidence. So then I'll take that and put it as my my top arrow that I'm going to shoot. It may be number eleven, but it'll be the first arrow that's that is I'm going to shoot. Like arrow tryouts. All summer. See who makes the cut for season. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Who's going to make the top five. <laughs> cool. Uh, Blake, anything else arrow wise that, w- that we can kind of cover for folks? I, I think we've done a pretty comprehensive job. We could do uh, another three or four episodes on this, but just to get people started. Yeah, I think we've covered a lot of terrain. <laughs> you know, the main thing, you know, the other thing that I would say that aggravates me is to see people with arrow quiver full of random arrows. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Put more, put more priority on your shooting than that. You know, get them all the same. Make sure the, I like to shoot them in batches. I like to have one dozen arrows that are, that are perfect. And I'll take six and put my quiver and six to practice with, but yeah, absolutely. Put more thought in my closing thought would be to put more thought into your arrows, learn about it, read about it. I mean, it's a lot of information, but that's the fun part of off season is we can talk about this stuff and learn these things when we're not trying to chase big deer and, yeah. and elk and cookies. And it gives us something to do to pass those summer months when we're out there just practicing. But put a lot of thought into it. Spend a little more money getting a really good quality arrow because it is the the key link between you and what you're what you're hunting. You know, I'm an old fisherman, and I've always said the line and fishing. The line is the only thing that connects you to the fish. If you have cheap, crappy line and it breaks, it doesn't matter how good you were. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with an arrow. This is the only thing that's closing that distance between you and to the and the game. And after you've spent hundreds of hours scouting and practicing and everything. Don't leave that up to an inferior error. 
Perfect. I think it's a great tip to end on. And yeah. uh, we appreciate it. I want to say, much like you, I start with a dozen, six for the quiver, six for practice, but I always end up with about three by the end of the season. Wait, where do they go? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That, uh, you tell me. <laughs> Some of them just vaporize. I think after dad you shoot ends them. up with less. He starts with two dozen, probably. <laughs> I see your dad on the woods, like just combing the woods for but old arrows. When, growing up, I mean, I remember seeing dad walking around looking for arrows like my whole life yep. I, I remember I seeing totally him see just that. combing the back of the target <laughs> back and forth Barefoot. back and forth you ever do that barefooted no <laughs> no never gone that far <laughs> well because when you shoot an arrow into the ground another great tip for you if you step you know it gets down in the grass if you step on it with shoes you can't feel it but if you go barefooted what? you can feel that arrow under the ground so we used to always you'd be doing little choppy steps out there looking <laughs> for the arrows that had gotten buried up just under the ground man i don't know i shoot those rage practice heads so i'm good <laughs> even though they're yeah, practice heads they'll cut you i want a video of you prancing around your backyard and bare High feet stepping. looking for arrows. cameron come here <laughs> we're, we're gonna find guys. daddy's arrows <laughs> yeah. well blake thank you so much for taking the time we we really appreciate it. Hey guys, I've enjoyed it. It's always great to talk with you guys. Anytime y'all need me, I'm here and 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 enjoy my relationship with Jury Outdoors and look forward to talking with y'all again. Yeah, absolutely. We, we have we have one more treat for Blake. He gets to stick uh, around for the what? <laughs> you're, uh, you're like, oh, thought we were gonna that, forget that. this. <laughs> Blake gets to stick around for the wildlife word segment. All right, Blake. So here's the segment where Tim. Pulls something, a rabbit out of his hat, and it's a word. Thank you for saying hat. Yes. (laughs) It's a word that I've never heard of, and he makes me look bad, and he does it every single episode. So, wildlife word of the day is brought to you by no one, and Tim, take it away. (laughs) Today's wildlife word is vomeronasal organ. What was that again? Vomeronasal organ. And Matt took a very timely deep breath. Yes. It's an organ for chemoreception in the olfactory system of mammals. It's a patch of sensory cells within the main nasal chamber that detects heavy moisture-borne odor particles. So is this how they smell us? This this is, and, and particularly like when you see a buck doing that lip curl yeah. during the rut, he's bringing in air to hit that that patch of cells that are designed to catch those chemi- those those estrous chemicals, and that and that's wired to their brain. That's he's ba- that up. You're telling me he's basically huffing, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's a he's, he's, an he's a junkie. Yeah. We all kind of take advantage of that. <laughs> Vomeronasal organ. Now you know, Blake. Now you know. Yeah. It's worth uh, sticking around this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to look at our YouTube views and see when they drop off. If it's right before the word of the day, we're cut. It's it. not worth looking into. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if folks want to join the show, if you want to submit a question, just go to juryoutdoors.com slash podcast and click the send voicemail button and you can leave us uh, an audio message with your name and location and what you're wanting us to answer on the air. That's right. And as always, you can check us out over on the Drew 
Three Outdoors YouTube channel. There's tons of great content over there. And check us out on DeerCast. Uh, by now, by the time this airs, the app is out. The new version of the app is out. We've been talking about it for months and months. DeerCast Track, DeerCast Custom, 10 Day. You know, there's a lot of cool features that we've added to it. It's now a paid tier, but there's still a lot available in that free tier that you mm-hmm. can get. Uh, but there's a pro version for $9.99 and elite version for $19.99. And, and, and people, that's a year. People not a keep month. At, yeah, people keep saying like, so th- that's a month. No, that's nineteen ninety nine yeah. a year yeah, or nine ninety nine a year. And, and the way I try to equate it, you know, for instance, we have one hundred and sixteen of our video titles that are available in that pro and elite tier. Many that you can't purchase. You can't purchase, you know, the old VHS that we had remastered in digital form. And, you know, those things sold for 20 bucks. It's literally the price of one DVD for the elite version, a a price of a bargain DVD for the pro version. Mm -hmm. And you get all of them, all the titles. So that's just a side factor. That doesn't even count what you get out of the DeerCast algorithm, which we were continuing to improve. And uh, not to mention DeerCast track the new feature that I think is going to blow everybody's doors away. So, um, you know, if you're listening, go check it out. The other cool part about it this year is we have DeerCast.com. And so for the first time, you're able to log on to your desktop at home or at work and log into your account and everything that you have on your phone, you mm-hmm. can have over on DeerCast.com. On and I would actually say, it, you know, it, in, in some instances, it's better. Like if you're going to get an account, I, I'd have you go to deercast.com to get it and check out the video, be able to go full screen with that on your computer or mm-hmm. whatever. It's, it's, it's pretty nice. So, um, a lot of cool things happening at Drew Outdoors. We're excited for the fall and to see how, uh, people take to it. Yep. And within the Deercast app, you can register for the farm giveaway. If you haven't done that, this month's prize is a custom PSE carbon right. stealth. And so. Blake's the one that set us up with that. It's pretty cool. It's, it's explain this design on this bow blake man it's a beautiful bow and it was one that actually the the guy that laid up our carbon he hand painted that for me and it was it has beautiful elk antlers on it and before they finish it and bake it they can go in and and did a hand paint job on the outside layer of this carbon before it was it went through the final processes and i saw it and i thought this is just absolutely gorgeous but i can't keep it i'm gonna give it to a good cause and so i called matt up and said hey this would make a beautiful giveaway and it is it's a it's a one of a kind it's a one-off and yeah it's pretty cool pretty cool prize yeah we really appreciate it when you say it's the only one like it you know out there that's that's cool that's awesome and i think mark terry they're gonna sign it and uh we we could probably get pete to sign it too so it's a cool giveaway and uh hopefully an incentive for people to go check uh the app out or the website and uh all that's free that's Mm -hmm. free to enter that and you can win the monthly prizes you can win the farm and you know realistically you got a good shot i mean as far as entries go it's not like we're talking the you know pick three lotto here. I mean, mm-hmm. there, it's a it's a good it's a good chance to win any of these prizes. So and pretty de- awesome. December fifteenth, we will pick one person who will win the farm. Yeah. It's just it's it's a reality. It's going to happen. It's getting closer. So yeah. if you're not involved, if your name is not in the hat, get it in the hat. 
Boom. I've never said that <laughs> with that much emphasis in That's my because life. Because you can't Get win it, it in the hat. <laughs> you can't win I, it. I, I, yeah, I can't. I can come hunt it though if someone invites me. <laughs> Good luck with I'm, that. I'm not above that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's shut her down for the day. Blake, we appreciate everything you do for us. We appreciate your insight today. Invaluable. Thank you. I know who I'm going to have Fletch my arrows. It's Blake. <laughs> I thought you were going to say me. No. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. I'm, thank you. All right. Peace out. <laughs>